You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. Uh, we are going to continue our study through the book of Acts and uh, love, love the power of God's Word. And I, and I love the fact that, um, Jim, you're here this morning and just to share the, the good news of, of what the gospel is and what we need to do as believers and how we need to, to make the, the, the Word of God a priority. That's, that's one of the things that I hope in my preaching ministry I've relayed that I believe in the Word. I believe the power of God's Word is what is necessary to see men and women saved. And if we're doing anything other than preaching the Word of God, we're, we're wasting our time. And so um, I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord for the Word of God. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 22 through 24 this morning. And I, and I want us to look at this and see this in the light of us as a community, us as a community of faith, propelling the gospel into the community that we live in. And we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. So let's just unpack the text starting in verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Now, let me just, okay, let's, let's back it up. I apologize. This is um, Paul talking about what he's going to do. And if you look at the first half of chapter 20, um, Brother Paul was preaching in, the, in a room and it's interesting to see this in the text that he was preaching in such a way um, that he preached till midnight. He started preaching in the evening and he preached till midnight. You think I'm long-winded. I ain't got nothing on Brother Paul. Um, Paul's preaching till after midnight and they lit all the candles in the room. They lit all the candles up in the room and they were preaching in such a way um, that one of the young men was in the, the window he, he did what some of you guys have done here. He fell asleep. <laughs> he fell asleep in the window and he falls out of a third story window. <laughs> and, and hits the ground. I don't know if anybody in here ever fallen out of a third story. Jim, you ever fallen out of a third story window? Not, today. Not, not this week. Okay, fair enough. I've never fallen out of a third story window. I've fallen out of a first story window just, you know, just being silly and it hurt. I can't imagine what falling out of a third story window does. But Paul goes down in verse 10 and he bends over him and, ta- and taking him by, by his arms, he says, don't be alarmed. His life is still in him. He ain't dead. We'll keep preaching. <laughs> Let's just keep going. And so... That's the, I just found that funny in the text. So they're, they're having a church service and he's, he's encouraging the church here in Ephesus and he's talking to them about what is happening in this area, what he needs to do. And so he starts in verse 22 and he says, now I'm compelled by the Spirit, back, back in verse 22, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that every, in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. 
You imagine that as a ministry calling? Listen, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the cities where I go preach, but I know if one thing's for sure. The Holy Spirit told me I, I'm going to go to prison and there's going to be hardships. I don't know anybody in the church that's, you know what, sign me up for that. I know that Awanas can be crazy, but I don't think anybody's signing up for prison and hardship. But Paul was. Paul was going to preach and he says, I don't know what it, what's going to face me, but I do know this, that prison and hardship are coming this way. Now, Here's what I love. Even though that's coming my way, what's the next thing we see in verse 24? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, my only goal is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. And that task being to testify to the good news of God's grace. This, this is the word of the Lord this morning. This is good stuff. And not because I say it, but because God said it. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, we, you and I, we live in America. That's, I mean, we are blessed to live in a nation that has been very, very blessed to do what we do. To be able to say the things we do, to be able to do the things we do, to be able to go the places that we can go. We are a blessed people, but we live in a generation that is hostile towards the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why I think so many Christians don't want to openly proclaim and talk about the good news of Jesus. is because they're worried about what the repercussions will be. Because we are getting into a place in the world today... That if you talk about Jesus, if we had backed this up 40 years ago, and listen, we talked about Christ, there wouldn't be major implications. 40 years ago, there was not major implications for you standing for the Word of God. Shoot, 25 years ago, there wasn't major implications. There, there were great things to happen. You could build a career on doing this thing. You could do amazing things in ministry in America. But now if you live biblically, if you trust the word of God, we live in a in a in a generation that is openly hostile. I have many many dear fellow pastor friends who attempt to preach on the streets. Like they have a, a heartfelt desire to not just preach in the pulpit, they, they want to preach in the streets. So there I've got a friend who preaches in the streets of Chicago. I've got brothers who preach in the streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma City. They, like they're on the streets preaching, and they are physically sometimes assaulted. They're mocked, um, and some of them are even arrested. I, I've gotten video in the last year of brothers being arrested for preaching the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Oklahoma. The buckle of the Bible Belt. We've got brothers that are being arrested for preaching and singing hymns that we just sang like that. Singing and preaching, they're being arrested. This stuff is happening in our midst. But even though this happens, Acts, you'll find in the book of Acts, as we read through this, you're going to find this is what was happening to pastors, preachers in the book of Acts. And not only was that happening to the pastors and the preachers, but it was also happening to those that were in the church. Those that were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, just by default as the members, they were standing for righteousness, standing for godliness, and they too were being arrested and placed into harm's way. Because here's the thing, the enemy 
doesn't like it when we stand for the truth of God's word and we're hamstrung by the forces of evil because the enemy wants to destroy us. We, we just saw that video of that, of that pastor. Listen, they didn't, want him, they didn't want him born. This brother is now a force to be reckoned with. He wants to see men and women saved. He's a force to be reckoned with. Not because he's anything special, but because of the God that resides in him. The God that resides in him. And this, listen, this is our calling. This is our calling to be disciple makers. Now, it's not necessarily that I'm telling everyone in the room that they need to be preachers. That is not what I'm saying. So don't hear me. Well, Caleb, you're saying I need to be a preacher. No, I'm not. I am saying simply this, that you, as a Christian, have a job to be a disciple maker. And what does that look like? That looks like you sitting down over coffee or sitting down over lunch and having a physical conversation, face-to-face conversation with a friend, with a family member saying, listen, I need to tell you about who Jesus is. I I love the story of uh, the guy named Jeff Faircloth who uh, shared the gospel with a guy named Matt Chandler who is now a pastor. And he he looked at him. I love how how he said this to him. He said, Hey, when do you want me to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, he was kind enough to give me the, the ability to, to give him the location. But listen, it's happening. It's happening that the gospel will be shared with you. And this is what we need to be doing. We need to be having conversations with our friends and family members in this town saying, Hey, when can I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? You, you can pick the time. You can pick the place. But I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you who Christ is. This means you sitting down and doing what is necessary to share the gospel. Telling them about who Jesus is and asking the question, hey, and telling them, hey, how how did Jesus get a hold of my heart? Let me tell you how Christ got a hold of me. That's one of the primary questions I ask anyone who says they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask the question, how did Jesus get a hold of you? And if the answer is a little fishy, can't give me the direct answer of, hey, man, I recognize I was sinful here. Christ convicted me of my sin. I repented and asked God to save me here. If there's not, if there's not some sort of wording that's articulated like that, then my direction changes to, I'm going to share the gospel because they're probably not saved. People who don't, how did Jesus get a hold of you? Well, I don't know. Trust me. You should know how Christ got a hold of you. Well, I don't know how God got a hold of me. Because there's going to be a defined, a definitive point in your life when Christ got a hold of you. I was sitting in a church just like this. A Baptist church sitting over in this this side of the room. The pastor who was also my father was preaching about a, a whitewashed tomb of a religious Pharisee. You look good on the outside. You got your works all put together. You you know when to say amen. You know when to raise your hand. You can sing the songs. Amazing. You can sing, you can do the songs. You can say the words. You know you're supposed to be polite in front of the old ladies. Amen. I know I knew that growing up. You're supposed to be polite. Don't be say, don't say yeah, it's yes ma'am. It's yes sir. Be polite. I knew to do these things. But I was beautiful on the outside. I looked like a whitewashed tomb. I had flowers and just beautiful things all around. But inside, inwardly, I was full of dead men's bones. I was depraved. I was wicked. I was religious, but I was lost. I was religious, but I was heading to hell. And and so, I can tell you, that's what happened to me. Christ 
regenerated my heart by the power of the word being proclaimed that listen you're religious but you're lost you need to be saved and you need to have a relationship with me and that only comes through repentance and faith that's what this looks like repenting of sins and trusting in me this is the first question I ask of people and and listen I know it's not going to be easy to share the gospel I know that me standing behind the pulpit saying this is what we should do I know that that is the easy side of this but actually having hard conversations and saying, listen, I know that you're in an affair. Listen, I know that you have lied. Listen, I know like having these conversations about sin, no one likes to have those conversations because is anybody in the room, does anybody sign up for, hey, I like it when I'm wrong? How many of you ever like it when you're told you're wrong? No man in the room raised their hand on that one. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. This is what we do. Like, we don't want to have these conversations because they can be awkward. Because, listen, you might need to repent of your sins. But, man, I'd much rather have somebody tell me I need to repent of my sins now as opposed to come to the end of my life and Jesus say, I don't know who you are. Matthew chapter 7. I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Man, this is why I believe church discipline is important. If there's men and women that are in sin, the church needs to... Go and confront men and women on their sins in love. And I didn't say beat, I didn't say beat them with a sledgehammer. We use, a, use the word like a scalpel to try to draw out and take out the sin that's in there. And listen, if they don't listen, you take an extra brother or sister with you. If they don't listen then, then the church treats them as a lost person. So when you see them on the street, you're not like, hey brother, blessings on you. It's, hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you. I want you to know that I love you. But you need to trust Christ. You need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul has this Holy Ghost compulsion, this, this Holy Ghost drive in him to share Jesus. But he's not really sure. He's a little hazy on what's going to come in each city. All he knows for sure is that, listen, hardships in prison are your, where it's going to go. You're going to go to prison and you're going to live in some really tough, difficult times. That's what's coming. Now go preach the word. He didn't say, well, hard times are coming, difficult seasons are coming. So if you don't want to go, you know, I, I get it. You can stay in bed a little longer. I'm, if you don't want to go, I get it. You can, you can skip this weekend. I know you don't want to go this weekend, but uh, you got, why don't you go to the lake instead? Because, you know, you can worship me in creation out there at the lake. That's not what he says. The Holy Ghost says, go preach. Go do what you need to do. And listen, it's going to be rough and you're probably going to go to jail for it. You're going to go to jail. So let me be clear that those who follow Jesus will at some point have some hard stuff happen in their lives. And listen, we've been blessed over the last six generations, the last 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. We've had a pretty calm, prosperous season. But man, the church doesn't do well in prosperity. We, we really struggle with prosperity. We just, I mean, we just like shooting ourselves in the foot. But man, when we're living in hardships and difficult seasons, man, we are alive and ferocious and bold. And man, I, I pray for that. I pray for difficult seasons because it causes us not to look at the world and say, I love this place. It looks at Jesus and we say, man, I love Jesus. I love Christ. So Paul's got this compulsion and, and this is what we're called to do. We're called to do hard things. And what we 
have to do is we have to consider our own lives as nothing. We need to consider our possessions as nothing. And we need to, and we need to consider this. We have one job. One job to do God's calling in our lives. I think of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 10. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship. God created us. He made us. He, he's our, we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork. We are his. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're called to walk in a path that God has created for us to walk. And that's not always going to be an easy path. Scripture says that the, the way that leads to life everlasting is narrow and it's difficult. It's narrow and it's difficult. Talking to people about Jesus, sharing the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ can sometimes be difficult. Now, there's seasons and places and times when it's easy. But more times often than not, more often than not, it is difficult to share the Lord Jesus Christ with people. Because, listen, sinners, sinful humanity is hostile to the things of God. Because they are by nature children of wrath, according to Ephesians chapter 2. So they have this innate, built-in desire to fight the things of God. That's, that's what's built in. But we, it, it, it's needed that we share the, the gospel. Because their eternity is at stake. Like, I want you to think about this. There are people that you know this morning that are going to spend all of eternity in the wake of God's judgment in the flames of hell. They're not going to, it's not going to, a oh, two-week stint, going to go there for a month, going to get a year of this. All of eternity, and just, think about all of eternity, and when your brain gets all the way to the end of how far you can think eternity is, go a little bit further, because that's more of eternity. And then more, and more, and more, and you have loved ones. There are people in this room that have loved ones that are going to spend eternity in the wrath of God's hellish wrath. Because they've not repented, not trusted. And this is the reason guys like Jim share the gospel. This is the reason I stand and preach. But here's the deal. You're supposed to be making disciples too. I didn't say you got to be preaching. But I do say you got to be having conversations with people in your work. Scale, that's going to put a label on me. Good. Good. Just shared the gospel with a guy at my work. Had a t-shirt on. It was Christian, has Christian saying across the front of me. He's like, what is that? I was like, hey, can I ask you a question, Andy? How do you get to heaven? He goes, oh gosh, here we go. Let's play. Is he going to mock me? He sure did. I said, you need to repent of your sins. You need to trust Christ, Andy. You know this. This ain't the first conversation we've had about this. But they know that I don't say this and just go, I'm not like thumbing my nose. I'm saying, listen, I, I want you to spend eternity in God's grace, not God's wrath. And when we take the approach that Paul does here, we stop caring about what other people think. This is, in my opinion, the biggest issue in the American church. We, in my opinion, as the Christian church, we think too much about what people think about us. We care too much about what people might think about us. 
I don't care what you think about me. Because in 10 million years, your opinion will not hamstring me. I'm free walking on the streets of gold. I care less. So what do I do now? I share the gospel. I proclaim the good news of who Jesus is. And listen. We need men and women who have this same approach that Paul takes. To stop thinking about how much our lives matter. And we need to move out of that. And we need to just simply take death to the idea that everything would look better with me just keeping my mouth shut. That's not true. Everything would change if we as a church would start to open our mouths in conversations around the dinner table, around the coffee shop, around the places we go, in the grocery stores where we go. And we have conversations about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We have to put this in perspective, we've put too much value on preserving our own skin and our own reputations. Paul says it best. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I apologize. We'll get to Philippians. He, he says in Acts, he says, I consider my life nothing. And I only have a goal. I have one goal to finish the race do we want to finish the race strong? Like, listen, I know that there's this, this the, the, the goal is, this, hey, we got to start the race strong. But if you go in any marathon, any guy that pops off at the gun and he's running hard and he's going fast, but he doesn't finish strong, isn't worth his salt. It's the guy that's just consistently just, all right, we're going to go. Going to keep moving forward. Going to keep pressing on. I want to finish the race well. I want to finish the race and complete my task. That's what we're called. He echoes, Paul echoes this in, a, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. For me to live is who? Christ. And to die is gain. If I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell you. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to, to depart. I want to die and go spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's necessary for me to remain in the flesh on your account. On your account. So Paul has one goal. And that is to love Jesus supremely and preach the gospel. That's it. And as I read the book of Acts, I so badly want to be like Paul. I so badly want to have a, have a ferocious appetite for the things of God. And that the world would mean nothing to me. And that Christ would mean all things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 33 and then 11, chapter 11, verse 1 say, I ju I, Just as I try to please everyone, I do not seek my own advantages, but that of many that they might be saved. So Paul says, listen, I'm trying to be all things to all people, and my hope is that I could see them saved. And then he says in verse chapter 11, verse 1, Be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. So we should be doing what we do to see men and women saved by the grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to imitate. Listen, Paul said, listen, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He didn't say imitate me and then just leave it. He says, imitate me as I imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to imitate. We're called by the scriptures to imitate Paul. So what did Paul do? He counted his life as nothing. He proclaimed the gospel to whoever would listen. 
We're to strive to be holy like Paul. To be holy because Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're to be holy as Christ is holy. We're to look to Christ as the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to look to Christ as our example. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the reason we can look at Paul and say, I'm going to imitate Paul because Paul had one desire. I want to be like Jesus. And that's what every one of us in here who has been redeemed and bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be doing. We need to be standing firm in the word of God saying, I'll follow you, Christ, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of people make fun of me, regardless of family ostracizes me. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to proclaim the good news to those that are in my sphere of influence. We are called to complete one task. And that task, according to the text, is to testify to the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ's grace. So that means you testify. Listen, here's who I was. But by God's grace, here's who I am. I was a wretched, wicked sinner, but God saved me. That's what the the gentleman who wrote Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know who that brother was? He was a slave trader who took human beings' lives and turned them into property and less than cattle. And the gospel comes in and says, you can't do that. All men are created equal by their creator. They're endowed with certain innate. And and you say, Caleb, you're quoting, you're not quoting the Bible. I'm quoting, yes, the Constitution. But the Constitution takes its root from the scriptures because that idea that all men are created equal is a biblical idea. It's not an American idea. It is a biblical idea that all men are created equal. So what happens? He is changed and he fights to abolish slavery. He becomes one of the men that fights to abolish slavery. Watch the movie Amazing Grace. Such a fantastic film of that story. Such an amazing thing. So this is what we should be doing. Testifying of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone. Why? Because we as Christ followers are in debt. We are owe this to the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe Christ everything. It's not the other way around. Christ is not in your debt. Romans chapter 1, Paul writes in verse 14 of Romans 1, I am obligated both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. I love the amplified version. I'm going to read this one to you. It says, I have a duty to perform and a debt to pay. I've got a duty to perform and a debt to pay. Listen, We have been called by God to do something. And sitting and consuming is not that calling. You to sit here for an hour and listen and then to leave and do nothing is not the calling. The calling is to what? I have one task to testify of the good news of God's grace. You as a believer are called to testify of God's good grace. And if you're not doing that actively, you are in sin. And you need to repent and then start moving in that direction. That's what we're called. The calling is to share the gospel in the places where you are. Once again, I'm not calling you to be a preacher. I get that. That's a specific gift. But disciple making is for all believers. 
Period. I'm calling us as Christ followers to long to see people saved. Do you long to see family members saved? Well, yeah, Caleb. Then what are you doing? Well, I'm sitting in the corner thinking and praying, hoping. Okay. That's a good start. But faith without works is dead. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe God. Well, maybe God's going to be the vessel that's used to share the gospel. Never, think, never forget the story. There was a flood that happened. Lady gets out of her house. Flood's coming. She gets on her roof. And a guy comes by in a boat and says, Hey, listen. You want to hop in? We'll, we'll, we'll save you. I'm going to trust. I'm trusting the Lord to save me. Okay. Paddle on. Helicopter flies over with a bullhorn. Hey, I'm here to... Grab on. Grab the ladder. We'll save you. She screams back up. I'm trusting that God will save me. Go on. She dies in the flood and drowns. And she ends up at the pearly gates. And said, what are you doing here? So I was trusting you to save me. He's like, I sent you a boat and a helicopter. What else do you need? (laughs) Some of us need to start doing more than just, oh, I'm just going to trust God. Step out in faith and do what God's called you to do. What I would like to do is to challenge some of you to take these scriptures and go this week. This is a simple thing. Just take a couple of these. Go to somebody's house. Knock on their door. Hey, my name is Caleb Gordon. I go to First Baptist Church. Uh, Listen, I know we're neighbors. I know you're... We, my kids go to school with your kids. I'd love to invite you to come to church. This is just sort of a, this is a John and Romans Bible. It's got the plan of salvation. And listen, we've got information on our church. Our service times are on here. And, and just some good information about Bible studies. We, we'd love for you to come to church with us. Love to, love to see you there. That's pretty simple. That's all you can do. Knock on a door. Hand these out to somebody. Just take two of them. And this week, I challenge you to take these two Bibles, these two scriptures... And to put them in the hands of somebody that you know that needs them. To say, hey, here, trust. Trust in Christ. And Jesus saved me. I was a wretch. I was a mess. But let me tell you, God saved me from this. And man, I'd love to see you at church with us, to worship with us. Pretty simple, huh? That's, that's pretty straightforward. That's, that's what I want. Nothing difficult, nothing fancy. You just tell them who you are. I go to First Baptist Church and I'd love to see you there with us. Well, that church is full of hypocrites. I know. We need one more. Come on down. We need one more. Come on down. Because guess what? Every one of us in the room, including this guy, is a hypocrite. But thank God we serve a master and a sovereign king that's not. Amen? Come on down. Don't let that be an excuse. I don't go to the gym because there's fat people there. Well, dummy, come on. Let's go. Let's go. Nothing difficult. Just tell them who you are. Yes, it may be somewhat out of your comfort zone, but the scriptures call us all the time to get out of our comfort zones. Amen? Get out of your comfort zone. Do something that's, that, that is out of your comfort zone. Amen? We need to be willing to talk to more people about who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. Period. Amen? All right. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. 
If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.